0: Let's pray together. God, we're thankful for this morning, thankful for a time that we can worship you through song. God, we ask that during these next few moments that you would help us to stay awake. God, that you would help us to listen. God, that we would see these words that you've preserved for so long, God, as your words, inspired and breathed out by you and useful for every moment in our life. God, as we continue with a heavy topic, I pray that you would speak to us clearly this morning. And as you promised us, that you wouldn't leave us as orphans. God, you would leave us your Holy Spirit to counsel us. I pray that this morning we would be counseled by you so that we may glorify you more. God, that so so that we may be the ambassadors that you've called us to be. God, help us this morning to hear from you and then be obedient to you and respond to you in a way that brings you honor and you glory because you're worthy of that. Thank you for being the King of Kings. God, thank you for being here with us, for not abandoning us. God, thank you for giving us hope. We thank you that you're a holy God, a holy Father, and we're asking that your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Got a big task this morning to accomplish, and it's going to take two weeks to do it. So we're going to talk about anxiety or worry for the next two weeks. And I'm a little bit anxious myself this morning, a little bit worried myself because uh, there are two preachers' daughters in here this morning, my mom and my aunt. And they, um, you don't have to worry about critiquing me this morning. They will do it enough for all of you. So I'm uh, so glad they're here. And then my youngest, my baby cousin, is here. She's going to be the next president of the United States someday. She's currently serving as the president of the FFA, and so our area president, but soon to be state president of Texas. Right. So uh, so glad that they're here this morning. So big task. A little bit anxious about that. A little bit anxious about the text itself uh, because you've heard it too many times and uh and so you respond to it probably the same way you've you respond to it the last time that you heard it. And so my my prayer has been that we would hear these words and you heard me just pray but we would hear these words and we would respond to them as God's words, not as something that uh, that we've made up, uh, not as something that's just a good uh standing or good words to uh, to live by, but instead we would see these as God's words and that we would apply them to our life, that they would soak into our life, that they would change and transform and mold our heart and our affections to Christ and Christ alone. As we sang, and if you believed it, you said that Christ was your solid rock or is your solid rock and that He is your firm foundation, that if you're not standing on Him, you will fall. So if that's truth, and you're saying it as truth, and you believe that as truth, then the only way to deal with life's issues, life's brokenness, life's trauma, life's worries, life's anxiety, is to trust in Jesus. You know, a couple of weeks ago I had a conversation with a gentleman here in town, and he um, he educated me on the fact that Jesus is good, and that he is worthy, and that he's worthy of following But if we're just to offer Jesus, it's not enough. Just so you know, that's Satan lying. I mean, if Jesus was not enough, God would have said, hey, Christ is going to die for you. He's going to conquer sin and death for you. He's going to stand in your place. He's going to clothe you with his righteousness. He's going to adopt you as redeemed into his family and give you purpose and life. And give you purpose for everlasting life. He's going to do all that. But here's what you need to do also. That's not the truth. Christ has accomplished it. The work is completed. If you are one of His redeemed, you've confessed Him as Lord. He's forgiven you of your sins. He stands in your place. And when you stand at the judgment seat, it will not be your response that's necessary. In fact, you won't have a chance to speak. Christ speaks for you. When you stand at the judgment seat of Christ, Christ speaks for you. You don't have a chance to say, well, here's what I've done in my life. Here's what I did. Here's the good things I accomplished. Here's how many times I prayed. Here's how much I gave. Here's how much I fasted. You don't have a chance to do that. God doesn't look at those things that you've done and say, oh, well, you are worthy. Oh, well, you are holy. I see your pious works and I see how great you are. Instead, thanks be to God, he only looks at Jesus. He sees the completed work of Christ standing in your place, forgiving you of your sins and giving you life eternal. It is not It is not about you. It is not about me. And whenever we make it about ourselves and whenever we add things to the gospel, we are doing a disservice to what Christ has accomplished. Apart from Christ, you can do nothing. Christ has completed it all. And now he's housing his Holy Spirit inside of you as the redeemed to go and and walk in a manner worthy of the calling that Christ has placed on your life, to be these ministers of reconciliation that he's calling you and I to be. Listen, as, as long as sin reigns in you and long as sin reigns in our church, Christ will not and the Sermon on the Mount is all about Christ and His kingdom reigning in our hearts, in our lives, in our church. That is it is about Him. We are the bride of Christ, maybe as you studied in Sunday school. you You are the bride. We are the bride of Christ. We belong to Him. As Paul Tripp says, He makes us, He adopts us as redeemed, as orphans, brings us into His family, and then He makes us ambassadors. Though many of us fight against that, and we want to be many kings or small kings in the kingdom, Christ reminds us that we are ambassadors in Christ's kingdom. had another great conversation this week at the FCA at the junior high. Zach asked me to help him pass out pizza and napkins and plates and then clean it all up. I'm not saying that's against Zach. He just needed help. All right, doing that. (laughs) And I had a great conversation about whose name is on the kingdom. Whose name is on Christ's kingdom? Thankfully, it's not First Baptist Church. Thankfully, it's not the Nazarene Church or the Methodist Church or the Presbyterian Church or the Church of Christ or or the New Hope Church. Those names aren't on the kingdom. Jesus' name is on his kingdom. The Sermon Sermon on the Mount reorients us into what Christ wants us or how he wants us to live inside his kingdom. With transformed lives, transformed hearts, we begin living for Christ and his kingdom instead of ourselves maybe you're at a point where you're finally recognizing that you see the brokenness in our world you see how people are living for themselves what you may say seemingly is more now than ever before Uh, we have a generation growing up that is further away from Jesus in our culture than ever before there are more atheists in my son and my children's uh, generation than ever before in our context or our culture research is showing and so because of that, we're saying, wow, the brokenness is really being revealed or really showing up. Who is that an indictment on? Wh- whose fault is that? You want to blame Jesus for that and his completed work? Or, or should we blame the ones that are supposed to be the ambassadors of what Christ has done and is doing and is going to do? And so we come to a moment here in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus tries to bring everything together. All the things that we've been worrying about or all the things that we've been anxious about, particularly as he preached to us, when he preaches to us about giving, when he preaches to us about praying, when he preaches to us about fasting, he preaches to us about those three things and saying, in your religious world, this is how you prove that you're religious. This is how you prove that you're a, 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 a you know, somebody has full of piety, somebody that's really following after God. You're going to prove that by the way that you give, by the way that you pray, and by the way that you fast. And Jesus in his kingdom wants to recenter his followers. He wants to recenter the redeemed into seeing what is priority Among those three things, giving. Not that you may be glorified or honored, but that Christ may be and the King may be honored and glorified in your giving. Well, I have a hard time giving. And when I do give, and I'm going to make that sacrifice and I'm going to give, I'd really like other people to know about it. Because I see how special I am in my giving of my resources to To other people. So so let me have some props. Let me have some let me have some glory. Give me a little bit of hunger. See, we all become robbers, really, or thieves of God's glory. We see the need maybe of sin being removed from us, and we want to be a part of Christ's kingdom. But then we we get in the kingdom as redeemed or adopted into God's family, though we're not deserving of it. And then we begin to wrestle with, so my king is the only one that's going to receive glory? Well, well, I want a little bit of that also. We begin robbing Christ and God of the glory that they deserve. We become thieves, stealing what belongs to Christ. We begin using giving of our resources and our money to honor ourselves instead of honoring Christ and Christ alone. Well, I've got resources and the resources that I have are mine. They belong to me. But I'm I'm humble enough. But I'm going to at least give this small amount to the Lord and to his kingdom. So that it, his kingdom may be extended while I hold on to what I think belongs to me. And then prayer time. Uh, praying religiously or praying like Christ desires for us to pray. It takes time away from you. You're already giving up your resources. So come on now, Lord. You're going to take my time. I'm going to pray to you. I'm going to give up moments where I'm going to say I'm in need. I'm in desperate need of you. I can't do this on my on my own. And so you're going to take my resources and you're going to take you're going to take my time away from me. And then Christ preaches on fasting. We've had great discussion over the past couple weeks on fasting. So you're going to take my resources. You're going to take my my time. And you're going to take my food. You're gonna think that you're gonna take away the things that I truly, truly desire, and then to sum all that up, you want me just to treasure you above everything else. Treasure you above above all those things, above my resources, above my time, above my food. You want me to treasure you above everything else. Well, this kingdom living seems seems dangerous. This kingdom living seems seems like it's not me that's going to get the glory yet the king will and this is where Christ is trying to center us upon reorient our lives upon what's most important so we get to verse 25 and we go through this little section here 25 through through 34 of Matthew chapter 6 and he says there he says this Jesus says therefore i tell you do not be anxious about your life to his span of life. The irony. The appropriateness of today. Some of your pleading with the Lord. Can I have my hour back? That you took away from me last night at midnight. I want my hour back. The preacher's preaching and I'm already dozing off. Can I have my hour back? Which of you by being anxious. Can add a single hour to his time. To his span of life. I mean be honest with yourself. This morning. How many of you stressed out about the time change? How many of you are still stressing out about it? How how much of your conversations this morning or yesterday or over the weekend have been about the time change? Were you able to fix it? Verse 28. And while you're anxious about clothing, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So in this, really the first and primary point that we're seeing here is Christ is calling us to a relentless trust of him. Trusting that in his kingdom that the king will provide everything that is needed let me remind you of what I opened with when you stand at the judgment seat of Christ your king will provide everything that is needed the sacrifice has been made the blood has been spilt the sins have been forgiven death has been conquered the king is providing everything that you need so how can Christ say oh don't worry don't worry When he just preached, treasure me alone. But I have these treasures. Don't worry about food, but I need food. Don't worry about your resources or your time, but those are important. I mean, there, there are probably three different types of people in this room this morning. There's the person who's hearing these words when Christ says, "Don't be anxious." And you're the happy-go-lucky, never nervous or worrying or anxious about everything. And you want to cross your arms and sing like Carrie Underwood, I told you so. You know, you want to, you want to point to everybody in the room and say, yeah, I don't stress about anything. Jesus told me, look, at, look. He, he says it right here. Don't, don't be anxious about anything. I told you so. And then there are some in this room who despise those like that oh, really? You have nothing to be anxious about? Nothing to be worried about? Does Jesus even know my weaknesses? Does he even understand what I'm going through? Has he even seen the trouble that comes my way? How can I sing Hakuna Matata? There's no way. There are troubles all my day. And then there's the third person who wants to be religious who wants to follow Jesus' teaching and stands on the platform weekly and says, these are the words of Jesus. Trust in them. Believe in them. All of you. Come on, sinners. Come on, redeemed. Believe in the words of Jesus. And then you walk down the steps and you dust off what you just preached because you live life full of anxiety, lacking a trust in the King not sure if he'll provide everything that you need. Maybe not even able to pinpoint the places that you don't have trust. Maybe not even able to pinpoint when anxiety came into your life or worry comes into your life. Maybe not even able to pinpoint what even causes you to worry. But you hear Jesus say this and you just feel utter conviction. We have to come to a point of understanding, every one of us, happy-go-lucky, the last one we talked about, the middle one we talked about, we have to come to a point as the redeemed of trusting that the king whose kingdom we are part of will provide everything that we need. If we can trust that he's going to provide us salvation, we can trust that he's going to provide us clothes if we can trust that he's going to to be the propitiation for our sins, then we can trust that he's going to provide food for us. If we can trust that he's standing in our place, then we can trust that everything that we need will be provided by him. We have to get to this point, though. In verse 25, Bible scholars, when they were, forming the Bible that we have today. Made a little break there between 24 and 25 and put a little great little title above that next little section. But we want to be good Bereans. We want to be good Bible studiers. We want to be theologians. We want to be people who understand God's Word rightly and handle it truthfully and rightly. And so 24 and 25 must go together like peanut butter and jelly, Zach. They must go together. Jesus said, let me remind you in verse 24, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon, or God and possessions, or God and money. Therefore, Why is the therefore? Therefore, because of verse 24 and the rest of chapter 6. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. The Greek word for anxious or concerned or worried is a great word. A great word that helps us understand why Christ would have said this. Why Matthew recorded it. Jesus preached this to those a part of his kingdom. No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other. If you grew up in the 80s, 90s, like I did, there was a little character, a little toy figure named Stretch Armstrong. My parents were not generous folks, and so they didn't give me this toy. But, uh, but my friends had Stretch Armstrong. I'm, I'm kidding about that. Uh, my friends had a uh, Stretch Armstrong. And Stretch Armstrong, uh, you know, Reese could come up here, and he could hold one side of Stretch, and I could hold the other, and we could pull Stretch Armstrong uh, as far away from each other as we had strength to do, Stretch Armstrong. He would stretch and stretch and stretch and stretch and be stretched and the cool thing about him is it seemed like he was never going to break being stretched between two different things but never going to break you know that's not reality christ preaches it here you cannot be stretched between two different things at some point you're going to break to pieces Reese's pieces you're going to break to pieces And this word, Greek word, here that Jesus says and Matthew records for us, do not be anxious about your life, means to be divided or distracted or broken to pieces. Being pulled apart, stretched apart. Being distracted from what's truth or being distracted from the thing that you need to be a part of. Being divided. There's a football player he plays for a team up in the New England area. I can't remember the name of the team. Uh, a guy named Tom Brady plays with him. I don't remember the name of that team. And uh, anyways, he, he's tied in for the team. And uh, this past season, I think they lost the Super Bowl, by the way. But this last season, uh, he got in trouble for celebrating. And, uh, and he did a little celebration in the end zone. And at the press conference, they asked him about it. Gronkowski or Gronk, uh, tell us a little bit about that celebration. And he said, well, I want to talk about it, but it's against our team policy. I want to talk about this with you, but I know that I'll get in trouble. And he leans to the microphone and he says, I mean, I really want to talk about it, but I don't know what to do because if I do, then I'll get in trouble. But if I don't, I'm going against what I really want to do. (sighs) So I'll just leave it at that. And he laughs. I think every day we're presented with this same opportunity. And Christ is calling us to serve him and him alone. And you know, when you're at the fork in the road, you stand there and you say, Christ wants me to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Christ wants me to treasure him above all things. Christ wants me not to be anxious about my life. But I'm standing here at the fork in this road, this trauma is uh, approaching me. I want to fix my eyes upon Jesus. I know what to do, but I'm, I'm torn back and forth. I'm divided. Christ reminds us in His kingdom, you cannot be divided. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Well, how can you come to that moment? Come on, Jesus. How do we get, how do we get there? How do we get to this moment where we can stand at the fork and say, Christ wants me to go down this path and I will not be anxious about it. I will not worry about what's next. We have to have an understanding of who our king is. If you don't know your king, you can't trust his instructions. If you don't know your king, you're probably not going to follow his command. Bob Goff says, What constantly distracts us will eventually define us. Is this not what Christ is talking about here in the Sermon on the Mount? when you're constantly overcome with worry and anxiety, the, the root of that, the heart issue, and I'm here with you, if you're, if you're hearing me and you hear these words with me this morning, I'm right there with you. When we worry and we have anxiety and we're overcome with that, the root of that, the heart problem, the heart issue, or what has a grip on our heart, is a lack of trust in our God. It's a lack of trust in our king. The king that we serve in, our, in his kingdom, the one that is our savior, the one that has redeemed us, he's our redeemer. The one that came, left his lofty position and had empathy on us and came and walked in the very shoes that we walk in so that he could see our weaknesses and see our struggles and not be a high priest that doesn't know how to empathize with us or sympathize with us. This redeemer that we have is the king above all kings. N- none like you've ever experienced before. Not like a dad you've had, or a boss you've had, or a mom you've had. Not like a grandparent you've had. He is, he is like none other. And So we begin trusting in him and him alone. Yeah, but how do we do that? H- how do we get to that moment where we can say we will not be anxious about what's next we will hear Christ call us love my neighbor pray for those who are my enemy give pray fast we'll hear him say things like that how can we trust that this king is leading us in the way everlasting I do not know how you are going to come to that that moment My hope is this, that though discipline is good for a short time, my hope is this, that you will not have to experience a life, long life of discipline until you get to the moment where you can experience the King of Kings for who he actually is. I do not know how you're going to get to the moment where you trust that he will provide for every need that you have. I don't know how you're going to get there. My hope is that it won't be through suffering. My hope is that it won't be through trials. My hope is that it won't be through discipline. The reality is I see that more than not. I see the suffering that you go through. I see the trials that you face. I see the trauma that you experience. And I see the moment where you come to the crossroads and you say, in the kingdom that I'm currently living, I do not want to be the king. I want to be the ambassador, the representative that represents the king who will provide for every one of my needs. See, your anxiety could be a good thing if it points you to your vision being casted upon your king. Your worry could be a good thing if it's creating a stronger trust and who our Redeemer is. Paul says this in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I mean, Paul, writing this, if you're at the Thanksgiving community, Uh, worship time over at the Methodist Church when Paul's writing this and he's writing in a traumatic state. He's under stress. He's chained. He's not understanding what's, what's about to come. He has no clear vision of the future. His only vision is upon Christ. And in that moment, he can say, do not be anxious about anything. He hears the words of Jesus. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. He remembers who the king of the kingdom that he's a part of is. He says, but by, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be no, made known to God. I've told you this before, but in student ministry, uh, we tried to, uh, to really help equip and gives tools to students to navigate through this foggy, broken world that we live in. And most of the time in our world, when we experience anxiety and trouble and worry, we base our actions upon the word fog. F stands for feelings. We go first to our feelings. We say, "Oh, this is the way I feel. Man, I feel terrible in this moment, or I feel really good in this moment. We base our actions on what's what's to come or what our next step may be based upon our feelings. Then we get to the O after our feelings kind of run out. We're not sure where to go from there. The O is others. We begin basing our decisions and our actions. So I'm I'm really stressed, I'm really full of worry and anxiety, so I begin asking others, what should I do? I feel this way, and I feel this way, and I'm worried about this, and I'm anxious about this. And others begin directing and leading us. And unfortunately, 90% of the time, people steer us in the wrong direction. I made up that percentage, by the way. 90% of the time, people uh, steer us in the wrong direction, But we listen to others. And then we get to the bottom of the pit again, like we talked about last week, and we wonder how we got back here. Maybe we're 90 years old. Maybe we're 100 years old. Maybe we're 14 years old. And we wonder how we got back to, this, to the bottom of this pit. How did we get here? We've been crying out to Christ, crying out to God. And the final of fog, F-O-G, is God. We usually go backwards in that feelings, others, and God. God, here I am in this pit. What, what, what got me here? How, how do I get out of here? And as we turn to God, he begins reminding us through his promise of the Holy Spirit, promise of the counselor to counsel us in the direction that we should be going. So we have to be different in the kingdom. We change, we reorient our life along with what Christ desires of us. We don't go to our feelings first and others second and God last, but instead we go God first. begin surrounding ourselves with people who are wanting to mature in Christ and are are working their way uh, through the process of sanctification and maturing. We ask them, like I've been to God, here's what Scripture says, what should I do next? And others direct us and help us mature in Christ. And then lastly, we base our actions upon our feelings. We have to, as kingdom Minded, focused people, reorient our lives around Christ. Transformed into his likeness or being transformed into his likeness. Understanding that when he says with boldness, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. He's not just saying words. Oh, well, of course he can say that he's God. Yeah, of course he can say that. He's God. He's the king of the kingdom that we are living in. He's the one that saved you. And because of that, when he says that, we can trust in what he says. No longer do we want to be known as people who are divided between, will I continue to worry and be anxious about the things of this world? Or I'll minimize those things and maximize who my king really is. At the end of your worry, when you recognize what has a grip on your heart, And at the end of your worry or end of your anxiety, my hope is this, that you will come to the point where you recognize who the King of Kings is. Max Lucado says this, your anxiety decreases as your understanding of your Father increases. My prayer is this, that you would see who the King of Kings is, that you would understand who your Heavenly Father is, that you would understand when Jesus says, do not be anxious about your life. He's saying that with all authority from the position that he is in today, recognizing that he has all control and that in his kingdom, the redeemed live by his word and his word alone. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for keeping me awake as I preach this sermon. I thank you for... The promise, the promises that you give us. God, thank you for redeeming us. I pray this morning that for the many in this room who I know have confessed Christ as Lord, but yet still struggle like myself with worry, still struggle at the crossroads of life and making decisions or still struggle with anxiety. God, help us to see you for who you are. Help our understanding of you increase. God help us help us not to be defined by the things that are distracting us in this world, but instead help us to be defined by our king. Let us be reminded that we are your ambassadors and that when we treasure things above you, we're being terrible ambassadors. When we value our resources and our time and our money more than we value Christ, God help us to see that that's not what you desire of us. God help us to understand that in your kingdom, you are Lord, and there is no room for divided attention. Can we increase our faith this morning. Can we help our unbelief and our lack of trust in you. And we also help those in this room who are maturing in Christ to help one another, to pray, to lead, to guide, to use the Holy Spirit as a counselor, so that we may glorify and honor you and you alone. God, we know that you're worthy. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.